There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Uh, Delighted to be back again for uh, yet another week. And uh, I've got a great guest again for us today, uh, Peter Milligan. We're going to talk about transformational coaching. Uh, the seven keys to releasing potential and raising performance. Um, so today is going to be really uh, cool and, and helpful for anybody who's involved with uh, coaching, uh, coaching staff in organizations, uh, coaching your own uh, team members and people. It's an essential skill of any leadership uh, and management role uh, today. Um, so before we talk to Peter, I want to say a big, big thank you to my guest last week. And for those who listened to um, the show on negotiation last week with Derek Arden on win-win, if you're ever involved in uh, negotiating, which uh, I have been in the past and had roles which have been quite heavily uh, focused on that area, you know, the show last week really set out the the steps and the sequence to effectively negotiating. Uh, I'd like to thank James from uh, New Zealand who um, spoke to me and told me what a good show that was and how helpful that has been uh, with and already putting the sort of negotiation uh, tips from Derek uh, into action. Um, but you know, it really is a fantastic blueprint. So I would listen to that one if you're interested with a pen and a pad. Um, there's also on my website at uh, chriscooper.co.uk. If you go to the news section in there, um, there is uh, under the Derek Arden show, there's some show notes as well, which I've uh, pulled together after that one. And you'll also find on the show with Judy Robinet on Power Connector at Connecting. I did the same thing there. So do go to the site, do access those. So let's talk about coaching. Uh, and uh, let me tell you a bit about um, Peter Milligan. Um, we're going to talk precisely with you know with peter about um about how you release potential in your team uh, and peter is a brilliant person to discuss this with he's a professional speaker he's a business psychologist he's a really really experienced coach he's got 25 years of international experience of developing business leaders and teams um, as you will hear when you hear his voice he's from australia uh, and he came over to the uk in the year 2000 uh, and he became a um a a director of uh, Europe's largest executive coaching firm. And then he went on and established his own uh, business, which is called New Generation uh, Leaders, um, where he really helps them to uh, to, take their performance to another level. And he works across lots of industries, got some really cool clients, worked with people like um, Australia Post, Kerry Foods, Rolls-Royce, Royal Mail, Novartis, Vodafone. Now, Peter and I have also been friends for a number of years, too. Uh, so we, we know each other quite well. You might pick that up in the conversation. We've actually become concert-going buddies because when we met each other, we realized that we had the same crazy taste in music. So we've been to see bands like ACDC and Deep Purple and Iron Maiden together as we reconnect with our youth. Or maybe it is that we just haven't grown up yet. So from heavy rock performances, let's discuss Peter's seven coaching keys to releasing potential and raising performance in organizations. So huge welcome uh, to my friend Peter Milligan. Hi, Chris, and hi, everyone. Uh, good to have you, Peter. Uh, so, Peter, the, the first thing is clearly you're an Australian, even though you've been in the UK for a, a while. You tell us a bit about you know, what was your life like back in Australia and what brought you over to, to the UK, you know, go away from well, the nice warm weather. 
Yeah, I have to, I have to say that uh, if you'd told me when I was, uh, you know, a twelve-year-old kid, I'd be having this life. I would never have believed it. I grew up on a farm, um, 180 miles north of the city of Melbourne. Um, went to a little um, primary school with just 12 kids. I was the only one in my class, um, and then got the shock of my life when I went to high school because there was a thousand kids at the local high school. Wow. Um, yeah, so I grew up on a farm, didn't want to be a farmer. Uh, we sold the family farm and moved to the city of Adelaide. I believe you've been there, Chris. It's in, mm-hmm. the, the south, it's in South Australia. Uh, lovely city, about a million people. Um, and um, I was, wasn't up for going to uni at that point. I decided I wanted to go to work and computer programming was really taking off. This is um, showing my age here. This is back in 1979. So I trained as a computer programmer. In the, in the era before PCs existed and did that for a, a few years but uh, started to get a bit bored with it and um, went travelling for a year. We live so far from the rest of the world that uh, we figure if we're going to go, we might as well make a year of it. So I spent six months in Europe, North, um, North Africa, Middle East and then six months in North America, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and by the time I went back to Australia, I realised that uh, you know I was much more interested in people development than software development, um, and I uh, went to university uh, f- full time and went on to qualify as an organisational psychologist. And I worked for a consulting firm uh, down there in Australia for seven years, um, uh, doing a whole range of different things, you know, psychometric assessment, executive recruitment, training and development, outplacement, and so on. Um, and how I came to be in the UK was that uh, I met my wife in Adelaide. She was born in Adelaide but grew up in the UK. Went back to Australia as a 21-year-old and uh, lived on the East Coast, Sydney, Queensland. Ended up in Adelaide and we met in our late 20s. Um, got married, had a fa- started a family, um, and then one day she said, you know, I wouldn't mind going back to the UK for a year. Um, little did she know we'd still be here 18 years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was her, her idea, to come, <laughs> idea to come over and my idea to stay. Uh, once I got over here, I mean, I've been here as a tourist, but I actually love living here. And what is it? I mean, what is it for... You Australians, because uh, so many of you, you love to come over here, work in London, and you leave that. Uh, obviously, it was very quiet where you were living, you know, in the in the country there, 180 miles from Melbourne. I can imagine what the countryside's like. And uh, yeah. but you know, what what is it about the UK that really attracts? Well, you I guess most of us, you know, most of us uh, sort of have our roots in this part of the world. Um, I mean, one thing I have to say is my skin was never designed for the Australian climate. I, <laughs> I have Irish and Scottish ancestry as well as English ancestry. So, um, yeah, uh, the, it suits my skin much better, the climate here. But I don't know. It's just the adventure, I think, as well. Um, I, I, I just – and there's so much going on over here. You know, it's, it, it, it's mind-blowingly different. Um, to Australia. Australia is great. You know, I, I recommend you know going there and even moving there for people who've grown up here. But um, for me, I've done that. Um, I'll, I'm loving it over here. Yeah, and I, th- I think the the thing I I've, I've not I spent you know a few months over there and um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, however, 
I, I love the, the flexibility here to be able to get to different countries quickly and yeah you know, the, I, I like the seasons as well actually and the yeah. um and so I, I found over there I, I got an opportunity to stay and and live out there and although I loved it I thought gosh I'm so far away from family too that so I decided to to uh, you know come back and base myself uh, over in the UK um yeah and and you know I think yeah I, I I fully understand it's not easy I mean I have family out there and I I miss them but um there's a lot of uh, a lot of good things about living here and to an Australian the concept that someone living in London can go to Paris for lunch and be back you know the tea um, is just mind blowing. Um, it's uh, 24 hours for for Australians to get to Paris, so uh, yeah, it's um, it's great. It's lovely. I was in London a couple of days ago, and I was uh, just walking across with a, a colleague over one of the bridges, and I was looking at St Paul's and Canary Wharf in the distance, and it just just amazing how much building and vibrancy and life's going on. It was like a actually like a almost like a, a movie set. Um, or a, a computer game. There was that many colours, and you know, you just realise you know, the place is sparkling and full of energy. And yeah, it is one of the world's great cities. There's no doubt about it. You know, you've got the incredible cultural diversity and the you know the history. It's just a phenomenal place. And my first, um, I mean, I live in Gloucestershire, which is two two hours west of London. But you know, my first uh, few years, I lived about an hour west of London in a village, and um, I loved it because I. You know, the kids were growing up in a in a quiet sort of rural village, but I could jump on a train and, you know, in an hour I could be in one of the world's great cities. So that's one of the things I love about being here. So you've got you know a, a passion for leadership and coaching, and you made that transition from IT in, into leadership. You know, what is that? You you spent a large part of your your career, majority of it by far, in in this arena. What is it that you love about it? That's a difficult question to answer. I just do. Um, I've always been interested in, in in people and what makes people tick, what makes me tick, I guess. Um, um, and it was just a natural thing for me. I, I used to, you know, read and do courses and stuff, you know, myself anyway. And then uh, when um, a friend of mine who I met travelling in Europe said, a fellow Australian said she was going to go home and, study psychology I thought that sounds really interesting and once I got into it I just knew this was this was for me and uh, it was either going to be I mean the three areas that interest me are education health and business Um, but I figured because I'd had experience of the business world um, you know and potentially it was probably going to be more lucrative I decided to to go down the business route and I'm really pleased I have because there's so much work to be done as you know, Chris, in the in the world of business, in in relation to the you know so-called soft skills, which are the things that people actually struggle most with. I think sometimes they should be called the hard skills. For, yeah, for some I think people. so. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. It's the bit they don't always get, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and it's where actually a lot of the prize, you know, a large part of the prize in business really exists. I think in that arena, in people with their with their thinking and behaviour and. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I think a lot of the listeners will be familiar with Patrick Lencioni, uh, one of my favourite business authors. And uh, you know, in the Five Dysfunctions of a Team, he said that really, you know, teamwork and the ability to communicate and work well together is really one of the last remaining edges a company can have because 
you know, the, the bar's been lowered in terms of the sort of technology that any of us can access and use. Um, you know, we're all on a pretty level playing field now. Um, so it is around the people. So, so you're, you know, we're going to talk today about transformational coaching. How would you define it? Um, well, I guess the way I see it is it's taking, you know, transformation is to take something from one one sort of way of being or operating to another way. Um, and so transformation, you know, occurs within individuals, it occurs within teams, it occurs within organisations. And, um, you know, it's just sort of defining what we have at the moment, what's working, what isn't working, and then creating a sense of what do we really want it to look like and then taking the journey. Now, you know, as we all know, people get that, um, you know, they know where they want to go and how it wants, you know, how they want it to be. They often even know exactly how to get there. But what they struggle with is actually doing it mm. because I think it's, uh, you know, we're creatures of habit. And I know you've co-authored a book on this very topic, but, um, um, you know, we're creatures of habit and, and it's it's quite difficult for us to change. It's, it's slightly frightening because we're moving into the unknown. And we've developed deep patterns of behaviour, which is why coaching has become such an important adjunct to the transformational journey. Yeah, it's very, very true, isn't it? On on your own, you know, you can you, you do you develop these habitual uh, behaviours, and you can keep playing them out, uh, and you can get excited about opportunities. But unless you are able to interrupt that pattern somehow, then you keep on doing what you've always done and probably getting similar results. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, on my website, which um, has just gone live today, actually, uh, which is a nice way to celebrate Australia Day, um, <laughs> it, uh, my site went live today and on the home page at the bottom there's a, um, a testimonial from a client um, who was driving a major uh, transformation in in the organization and brought me on board to work with him and his leadership team because it was going to be very challenging but you know that's been a hugely successful transformation I mean I I like to think I played a part but clearly it was you know all their good work but um, it was just being there as a bit of a catalyst to enable that transformation from point A to, to point B absolutely now we're gonna we're gonna um we've got about four minutes of the commercial break now and so i want to sure. ask you, you get the, let's, let's just talk about what these seven keys are and then what we can do is after the break i'll come back and ask you some questions about them and we go go through in a bit more detail so do you want to share with us top line what they are okay uh, yeah. this is your your thinking and your work around around this subject so be yeah. you know, lovely to get a sense and if people are listening and they think oh, i didn't quite get that one don't worry we, we're, you'll be able to go back and listen to the recording but we're going to repeat them and we'll, I'll, I'll ask a few uh, questions to Peter to to find out a bit more. Okay, great. So um, it's been great knowing that I had this um, conversation with you coming up because it forced me to really sit down and sift through all the stuff I know and say, really, you know, if I was to pick the top seven, what would they be? So um, what I came up with is absolutely number one is to build and maintain trust. Um, you know, coaching just won't work very well if there isn't a um, a sense of trust between. Uh, both parties um, when you're with the person that you're coaching and or everything I say applies to not only professional coaches like me but you know business leaders and managers 
Um, you'd really need to be fully present and attentive, you know, not be glancing at your phone or thinking about what you're going to do after this meeting. You know, you've got to really be there with the person. Um, the third one is to be wary of collusion. Uh, it's a term I learned from my supervisor where we can sometimes get a bit too cosy with the person and start to see the world exactly the way they see it. And whilst that's nice, it's also a problem. We, uh, we can't, you know, we don't challenge them. Um, we also need to look at a person, any person, and say to ourselves, in there somewhere is, is potential that's yet to be discovered. We need to uh, also remember we're dealing with systems. You know, it's not just an individual. They're part of a team, part of an organisation. Um, we also need to pay attention to not only the work that's being done in the workplace, but what's going on inside the people. And finally, you know, to be really effective at coaching and leading, you have to yourself be open to learning all the time. Brilliant. Well, good, some good good um, pointers there. You know, I'm thinking about those, and I've also read you know a, a document that you produced on these key principles, which I know is available from your site, New Generation Leaders. We'll also put it in the show notes as well, which you can access from uh, chriscooper.co.uk, um, which which will overview. Um, these key uh, principles but really some really insightful things in here so I would uh, join after the break uh, and uh, have a notepad uh, with you in front of you and really think about these seven keys because they really do hold uh, the keys to um, getting tremendous results for your clients uh, while you're coaching them or for your employees so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, uh, and I'm with my, um, my Aussie friend, uh, Peter Milligan. We're talking about uh, transformational uh, coaching. 
Uh, and uh, Peter, let's um, let's start with that first uh, principle. You know, how do you best build and maintain trust? Yeah, this is the big question. Um, I do it. If you're asking me how I do it as a, as a starting point, I do it by just being totally authentic, just being who I am with people. I'm I I really want them to know that I'm not you know, trying to be arrogant or better than them. I see myself as just a fellow human being. Uh, I bring my humility into the room as well as my confidence. And, um, um, you know, people start to feel that they're safe with me. Now, the absolute, absolute most important thing is that people need to really understand that what they discuss with you is confidential unless you agree otherwise. Um, with... with um, People like me who are working as professional coaches, we very clearly contract with that up front because people won't share with you stuff if they, if they think that you're going to either deliberately or accidentally share very private um, thoughts and feelings with other people. Um, so that, that's really the first key. The other, I think, is to just um, to be able to find within yourself the same sort of challenges that you have or have had and you know, sometimes just share some of those. It's not about the session being about you, but I personally think that we should always be willing to just share a couple of our own stories from our own life because then the person thinks, oh, yeah, they, I can relate to that. You know, he's he or she's a bit like me. You know, we've got that in common. It's, it's really important, that, isn't it? Because I, I think you, you can enter a session like this uh, wrongly with an attitude that. Uh, trying to portray an attitude and look how good I am. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm your coach. I'm uh, a bit better than you. And that's just not the case, is it? It's, um, you, you know, by sharing those honest stories about where you've messed up as well and what you've learned from it, uh, it also helps people to open up because they realize that, you know, he's, he might have you know, a bit more experience in this area than me perhaps, but uh, he's human as well. And it's okay to be honest with your failures. Yeah, very much so. And you, you, you're leading by example. Um, and, you know, I know there are people in the coaching world who say, you know, it's not about you at all. You shouldn't share any of your own stories. I completely disagree with that. I think it's important not to take over the session, as I said, but you absolutely should be prepared to show a bit of who you are. I just think it helps build that trust and connection. And there's no doubt this is very topical. Um, for those people who ever watch TED Talks, one of the top five TED Talks that's been viewed over 30 million times is the talk by Brené Brown, uh, on the power of vulnerability. I use that uh, particular talk when I'm working with teams and I really want people to get, you know, this, you know, this willingness to be vulnerable is actually not a weakness. It's actually a sign of courage and a way of uh, making real connections and building trust. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, um, you know, that it is quite interesting, this in terms of, you know, coaching. If you go on a, often go on a, you know, a, a coaching certification and things, which I know you and I have sort of done, and it becomes very much about asking questions, the methodology. Uh, but I'm like you, Peter, in that having been around a lot of years when I'm I'm coaching and, and worked in big organisations and, uh, and and had a lot of experience. Actually, sometimes people also just appreciate a few answers. You know, as I prefer, you know, a bit of some a bit of your experience as well. It may not yeah. sway them they want way they want to go. And I remember having um. I was coaching uh, once a 
was a European director of a big firm, and I was asking a when I, and I was fairly fairly new into coaching, and I've just been on a course. And I was asking a question after question, and she got to the point. She said, "Chris, please just give me the answer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and i mean some you know we we can't let them be too lazy and just expect you to get spoon feed them the answers but i think um you know there are times when you know particularly if you're really struggling and you're in in a bit of a dark place and really stuck sometimes you know just making a suggestion or coming up with uh, a particular story that you know you or someone else found helpful can can help that breakthrough which is what you need and you, I also like the point you made about confidentiality because, uh, you know, I, I see, you know, like you do in your, in your business that, um, you know, we, we are a brand and that brand is about our authenticity. And I, I would never share any details of a coaching conversation with a client, not even with my wife. Uh, it's, it stays in, in my head because if, if you do that and, and people get a sense that maybe you've done it, uh, it can completely trash a relationship, can't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's talk about being fully present and attentive when coaching. You know, it can be challenging if you've got noise, you know, there's noise going on often inside us, but how do you deal with that? Well, it's a great question. I mean, that's why this whole um, big movement now towards mindfulness is, is taking off because there is so much stress, there's so much noise around us and social media has just amplified that so many times. So um, we have to learn how to just sort of center ourselves and get calm. And I, I would say to people, you know, before a key meeting, whether it's a coaching session or just an important meeting with, with a member of the team or a, a group of people, do everything you can to just get some time out. It might only be a minute or two, but just, just to breathe and, you know, more slowly and ground yourself and, and just feel yourself relaxing a little bit. Um, you know, keep your feet on the floor, feel the energy in your body. Just it can make a massive difference. And I know myself, I've sometimes run from one meeting to another and I'm not in a good place when I get there. And investing that, you know, it could be 30 seconds, a minute, just to take a few breaths and calm down and focus on the present can make a huge difference to your productivity. Do, do you have any kind of mantras or anything like that that you say to yourself before you... Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, sometimes I'll say things like I'm, I'm, you know, calm and I don't know, collected or something like that. I've, I have had things like that before, but you know, we just need to make up whatever works for us, don't we? Well, that's right. Yeah. It is a personal thing, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. I think you, you, you're completely right with that. And, uh, maybe sometimes having a walk and just having a bit of silence for, little while before you're going as you say compose yourself and yeah. um and I, I don't yeah. know what you feel when when that, that sort of you know i find and i find that within with the show peter as well you know i think when even though when i'm talking to guests like yourself and we're doing this over skype and i i, I you know by being really present and attentive it it makes the conversation just go so much better when you can feel that warmth between you yeah definitely definitely um in fact, um, I had a, a situation, it's in the, the, the article that people can download, but uh, many years ago I was working with a company and I was being sponsored to do a big piece of work and the senior guy who was sponsoring it, I mean, he had skin in the game. He needed to, uh, you know, get an update from me and the HR person and the three of us sat down and the whole 45 minutes he was never really present in the room. He was constantly looking at his phone, his 
you know, I could just tell his mind was elsewhere. And I thought afterwards, you know, I would rather have had 10, 15 minutes with him where he was completely present uh, than 45 minutes where he wasn't. And, you know, that would have been more productive and enjoyable for all three of us, really. Um, but you know what? I've done it myself many times. I'm not judging him because I I fall into the exact same trap. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's sometimes worth being. Do, do you think it's worth being you know open and honest with that and just saying yeah. do you want do you want to you know reconvene when you've not got something else Absolutely. going on? Yeah, that's right. Because to be fair, <clears> the person may have something major going on, and rather than sit there and sort of feel a bit annoyed. Uh, you know, just just say, look, I can tell you've got something on your mind. Do you want to deal with that, and we'll reconvene? It's a brilliant idea, Chris. I, I think you, you're making me sort of. I at a situation in my past. I was running a a, a sort of a team development event for a, a senior team in a company, and they suddenly turned out they had a really really big uh, tender the following day, a big pitch. Yeah. And they were all the people in the room were preparing for that, and you could just tell. I mean, we had a great morning, but then you could tell their minds were going towards this yeah. pitch. and, and it totally over understandable. Yeah, over lunch they were working on it, and I, and I sort of tried in the afternoon to get them back onto the agenda. And I, you know, I, I took some feedback with the, from the clients, and I think we agreed that you know, actually abandoning it would have been the best solution <laughs> yeah. rather than try and continue with it. I'm thinking they're paying for my time. I want, you know, want to give them my time. But actually abandoning it and coming back a, a week or two later once the pitch was over probably Definitely. would have been the best scenario. So. Definitely, and I'm with a team next Tuesday, actually, and, and I always, at the beginning of the day, just get people to declare anything that's going on. You know, is anyone expecting a, you know, a child to be born or something in the next, you know, day or anything that's going on? They just declare it up front, so we all know. And if anyone, you know, really does need to have their phone on, you know, they they'll get permission for that. But at least we know. That's a brilliant um, tip, that actually. Mm. I like that. I made a note of that on my piece of paper here. Peter, until you utilize that at some point, and I'll think of you. Uh, well, I, think, I think, I mean, not only when you're running like a team development session or a strategy day, but even just in a, any meeting, really. You know, I was once, uh, I used to do some work for Motorola, and uh, it felt like, like sacrilege, but I noticed I was sat in on a meeting with my client and his team, and everyone had their phones on in front of them on the table. And I thought, oh, Am I allowed to say that's not a good idea, you know, because I'm here in Motorola? Um, but, uh, you know, he and I talked about it afterwards and he acknowledged that actually, yeah, it'd be better if they all just switch their phones off unless there's an emergency pending so they can really focus. Yeah. I, I did, I did a, running a, a program, I think it was a sales program uh, a number of years ago, and the person who commissioned me, a senior guy to do the work, had had resigned or was left his post for some reason but he was hugely hugely popular with his with his team and his people so of course i turn up the following morning they find out at uh, five o'clock the night before that he's gone and actually starting the program would have been a complete waste of time so we yeah. you know we talked we got you know you could see they're all um want, wanting to talk about it so we talked about it for the first half an hour and i gave them a few strategies on how to you know deal with um situations like that and how they could pull together and after about half an hour we were in a position we could start the course and everybody was happy but if i'd started it at the beginning it would have been pointless that's a yeah that's a great example i think we need the chance to just verbalize things and clear them you know and settle them down um you know there's a there's another point that people will see in the article about um you know going back to the uh, 
the whole thing about being present and attentive is also to know that there's a stream of thoughts running through your mind and you, you have to sort of see them as just like you're sitting on the bank of a river just watching the river flow past you know you don't have to jump in the river and go with it you can just watch it and then step back and i think sometimes we get hijacked by our own thoughts um you know which is how we get so distracted so i suppose about like the urquhart toll be you know the power of now trying to be in the moment um, very much so and i'm a big fan of Eckhart tolly and um you know listen to his stuff a lot because it is about this whole I mean, he says he doesn't like the word mindfulness because it implies that you have a very full mind. And in mm. fact, it's almost the opposite you want. You want to just, you know, not have it full of stuff, full of noise. <laughs> so mind I quite like his, his view on that. <laughs> so uh, the third one was, is, was really interesting, collusion. So what, what do you mean by collusion? And what are the yeah, I mean, it's, a, it, it's one that I think, you know, uh, since I've been working with Eve, my current supervisor, that, you know, she's really pulled me up on it a couple of times because when I'm describing a particular scenario to her, you know, I'm so bought into the story of, of, of a particular client and she just gently reminds me to be careful not to collude, which means to see the world purely through their eyes. Um, you know, that I'm a person who likes to build relationships. I like to be able to see the world through someone's eyes. I think that's a key skill to have as a leader or a coach, but you know, we also have to have the ability to say, okay, I've seen the world through their eyes, but what does it look like through the eyes of other people? Um, you know, if we're not doing that as a coach or a leader, we're, we're kind of neglecting uh, a key part of our job. Um, so uh, I have, you know, sometimes, and I'm sure you've experienced this, this person is so articulate, and so passionate, and it seems so logical, everything they're saying, that you kind of go, hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, it must be just how they described it. Um, and, and I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to work with a number of people in the same team. And that's where I really get this concept because it's fascinating, Chris, how you can have a conversation with person A, a conversation with person B, and a conversation with person C. And they all have different maps of reality. Um, and you figure that the truth is somewhere out there and they each have a version of what's true. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll hear someone say something about someone else and then I'll, know, I'll get to know that other person and I'll think, that's really interesting because that's not how they see things at all. Yeah. And, of course, I'm sworn to confidentiality and I can't share that. Um, you know, all I can do is play devil's advocate in a sense and say, okay, so... <laughs> What might that how might that be seen by this other person which is helping people to learn to step outside of themselves and and you know look look at um at from a different angle which is one of the greatest skills you can ever have we've got uh, just a couple of minutes left now to a commercial break people pizza but perhaps we could talk about um this concept quickly of hidden potential i know you've got an uh, analogy so you like to use of a diamond and uh, i thought it was quite interesting yeah, I mean, I know you're familiar with Jack Canfield, and I think yeah. like me, you've met Jack, and I heard this from Jack over 25 years. He's been on the show, ago. he's in the archive. <laughs> yeah, and he, he said a really useful way of looking at human beings is that each of us is a diamond covered by this disgusting excrement, you know, <laughs> whatever word you want to use, and then we cover up with this pretty nail varnish. So we invest a lot of energy trying to hide the dark stuff that's, that, that's there, but we forget about the diamond inside. 
And that's true of our view of ourself and of other people. I found it a really useful metaphor as a coach. So when I look at a person, I look at their behaviors and so on and their insecurities or whatever, I, I know that we all have them and I just, I just look straight through it to the underlying, you know, qualities of like a diamond. Excellent. Uh, well, uh, yes, I, I knew I'd heard it before a long time ago, but it's a good, really good one, that, Peter. Um, so we're going to go to commercial break now. After the break, we'll talk about systems and we'll talk about, um, you know, paying attention to the you know, inner and, and outer uh, world. Um, so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. If you've got any comments or anything you want to share at any point uh, around the show, do you can email me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, do go to Chris Cooper also and access um, sign up sign up at the top for our newsletter because we share um, information about um, about shows and some show notes and things like that that you might find uh, really helpful. We only we only mail people once a month. Um, so I want to just talk quickly about potential again, Peter, because um, you gave us that example of a diamond there. Um, but uh, isn't um, it's one of the coach's roles uh, to always uh, very helpful in having a coach is having somebody who maybe believes in your potential even more than you do? Absolutely. And I think, it, you know, that really does trigger transformation. Uh, you know, it's one of the great joys of the work we do. And I think for any leader who does this and gets this, it makes leadership a joyful process. Um, you know, we, we, we often take people at face value and we don't realize sometimes what's inside there. And I just work on the assumption in there is an amazing person just, you know, waiting to get out. But there's all this crap over the top, you know, and this this holding this you know i use the 
nail varnish thing, you know, trying to look good to the world, but not actually allowing the real diamond inside to shine. So I think our job as coaches and leaders is to constantly, uh, you know, look for that. You know, just keep keep looking for examples of where they've done something great and feed it back to them. Because uh, most people, you know, if they're not being beaten up by other people, I don't mean physically, but, you know, I mean just being told off, criticised, they're certainly doing it to themselves. Um, and they often don't realise even their own strengths and capabilities. So, so I'm going to move us on because I want to get through these keys. But how, um, you know, you talked about systems earlier. Um you know, what do you kind of mean and how do you really get that systems perspective? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I've always been a systems thinker. I um, did anthropology as well as psychology at university um, and cultures, you know, essentially an, another system. Um, and, and the thing that kind of really woke me up to it, when I was training um, as a psychologist, we had a child psychologist uh, come and give us a, a lecture. And he said that when someone comes to me and says they've got a problem child, he said, the first thing is I want to see the family. And what he was saying is basically this, it isn't, the problem doesn't just reside in the child. Yes, there may be issues for the child and with the child, but there is a system around them. It's called a family. And the family uh, may in some way be contributing to the child's challenges, um, uh, but equally the family could actually help resolve the challenges. Now, if we use that as a metaphor for, for the business world, you know, we have, we have people who work in organisations who sometimes are a problem for other people, um, and we're dealing with that a lot, but it's, it's about, you know, looking at the system as a whole. What sort of behaviours are being rewarded in the organisation? What sort of expectations are being put on people? Um, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's an interaction between the individual who brings all of their past with them into the organisation and the people around them who bring their past, and then the organisation, it has its own unique culture, its own unique way of working. So we really need to look at the whole system and all the subsystems within it. So this is something you're, you're doing you're, when you're working with a client, you're, you're really doing everything you can to understand that business as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, I am. Going I, on I, and... Yeah, very much so. I, 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 perhaps I'm just a natural systems thinker. You know, I, I really try to get a sense of what's going on so you know i know i i always like to know more about the organization um the culture the way people are i i notice that i i listen to what things are rewarded and uh, censored within the organization um and the team you know what are the team dynamics it really helps when i get to work with more than one person in the same team because i get a bit of an overview and sometimes i think i probably know more about it than people who work there because i get inside what it, what's going on with individuals and also um, every individual is themselves a system you know they're, they're a combination of their history um, their own family um, and so on so um, you know part of what I do in my work with people is I get to understand more about them as well it's very true because people have all sorts going on in their life that you just don't know about Absolutely, and that's where it causes a lot of problems in organisations because people aren't sharing some of their challenges, and rightfully so. Sometimes it's deep, you know, confidential stuff, but, you know, people don't give each other a break. You know, they, they just assume that, you know, they're fine and, you know, what, you know, where they may have a relative who's dying, they may be on the verge of a divorce, you know, you don't know that one of their children might be ill or struggling at school or being bullied. You know, a whole bunch of things can be 
you know, going on for those people. So we have to be kind to each other. We have to be honest with each other and hold each other to account. But, you know, sometimes we just have to remember that. I once ran a, a, a number of years ago, I was running a program with a, a board and you know, what came out was that there was eight of them and within the previous three years, five of them had been divorced. And when they when they shared that information, they were all astonished because they just hadn't realized. Yeah, yeah. And that takes us back to point one, which is about building trust. You know, Lencioni's model of trust being the foundation of the pyramid, you know, with a bit of vulnerability and openness, it can bond a team like nothing else. And funny, funny enough, from the two and a half days, we worked on uh, Lencioni and that very model for a couple yeah. of hours, which was really helpful. Yeah, yeah, really very powerful. powerful. So let's um, just pay. The next point was um, the number six was about paying attention, attention to both the inner and the outer world. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, um, I mean, I've always been like, you know, there's a very pragmatic side of me. I'm Australian. I grew up on a farm. I get the practical side of life, if you like, the, the stuff out in the world that we have to do. But equally, it's the inner work, you know, what's going on inside people. And where I really got to wake up to how this plays out in the corporate world, um, I tell the story in the article, but, um, you know, many years ago I was working with a, a, a bunch of senior managers at a major international airport and, you um, they were going through a big transformation program in the organization and I spent a day with them and they were doing their plans and putting all these flip charts up around the room and talking about what's got to change and how it's going to happen and all of that. And I hardly ever heard anyone say anything about the impact on the people, which I just thought was the most bizarre thing. You know, it wasn't where their minds were at. So straight after lunch, I had a, I had a slot in the day to, to, to work with them and I put up a flip chart and I drew a picture and I sh showed what I call above the line and below the line. So above the line is the stuff we can see. It's the stuff that, you know, people are doing. It's the how and, and, the, and the stuff we're trying to achieve, you know, the outcomes, um, the results we're after. And that's important. Yes, we have to talk about that. But let's not forget the below the line, which is people's inner world. Because I was pretty confident there'd be people there who'd be worrying about their job, they'd be losing focus and motivation, some of them might be starting to look for other jobs, they're getting stressed because they're being asked to do lots of change on top of their normal day job. And, and at the time when they most need people to be all on board to, to drive the changes, they're distracted and they're stressed and all of those things are going on. So um, you know, I wanted people to just recognise that. And as leaders and coaches, what we have to be doing is working above and below the line all the time. Some people want to talk about all the time. They want to talk about how one's feeling and all that stuff, which is great. But sometimes you've got to say, yeah, but what are you going to do? Get done, right? So sometimes you have to flip the balance the other way. But a lot of people have focused on the doing stuff and getting results, which is important. And they forget to focus on the What's going on with people? How committed and motivated and engaged are they? Mm. Yeah, very, yeah, very, 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 very true. Very, very true. Just um, before we go on to the seven point, I want to pick up on something you mentioned in the uh, second section, which is which is interesting because I, you know, I see you as being a real, you know, top, you, you're great coach. You're very experienced. Uh, you've been doing this work for many, many years. But you mentioned there. My supervisor, and some people might be listening and thinking, well, does he work in a supermarket or does he work on a <laughs> line? Or, uh, and and I, fi I find it quite a you know, fascinating term, that, because uh, yeah. 
it's yeah, yeah i'm really, I'm really glad you raised that because i've just realized I'm, I'm i'm forgetting that a lot of the audience of course aren't in the world of professional coaching and the term supervisor i think originally came from the counseling profession where the counselors need to have someone they can talk to very confidentially about what they're working on and what they're struggling with in their in their counseling work and it's the same in the coaching world you know proper professional coaches engage a supervisor to help them uh, to keep getting better at what they do. So it's almost like the coach has a coach in a way, but someone who's specifically there to help you get better at the work you do. Mm, yeah. So I, I think that's very, you know, if you, if you, to be authentic as a coach, then having your own coach makes a huge amount of sense, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's more authentic. Which is a perfect segue into um, point number seven. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Let's talk about open, learn, open to learning. <laughs> Stay open to learning. Absolutely. I think you know, really, if you're, <clears throat> if you're serious about being a great coach, or you know, just being a great leader, you have to be. You have to lead by example. You have to show your openness to learning. You know, you have to be curious and open to new ideas and growing yourself and pushing yourself out of your own comfort zone. Sometimes I think coaches are, you know, some people like to think, well, they've got it all worked out now and they're just going to coax everyone else out of their comfort zone, but they're never going to step out of their own. And I don't know about you, but I'm much more inspired by, you know, leaders and teachers and coaches who are themselves living on that edge, that scary edge of the unknown all the time. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like doing this show sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's true, isn't it? It's you know people who, the people who are kind of out there, you know, making that, uh, taking that leap and being prepared to invest in themselves as well. And you know, I meet people sometimes who, you know, out there doing you know leadership work, but don't invest anything in their own leadership but yeah. development yeah. skills. Well. Actually, in this day and age, if you want to differentiate yourself and you want to have extra knowledge that you can share with your clients, um, you, ha you know have to find vehicles and ways of doing that, which allow you do. You on a you on a we both happen to be on um, at events this week, learning uh, at the same time. And we we talked about we could have been at the same one, but we we were different ones learning yeah. about engagement. Um, right. You know, I think it's important to keep investing in yourself as well as. Uh, you know, to, to, to be able to bring the best to people, the best of you. That's correct. Um, the other the other thing that I think is a, a really important point about uh, item seven is that we have to we have to go back to being like small children and see learning as an intrinsically joyful process. Now, m most of us have, have in some way been damaged by the education system because um, I think education has lost its way a little bit. Uh, it's interesting, the word education actually comes from the Latin meaning to draw out or to lead out. In other words, it's not about putting stuff into people, it's about helping them to discover and, and reveal what's already inside them. Now, that's really interesting because how education is kind of meant to be almost is um, drawing out of people rather than just seeing them as an empty vessel that you pour stuff into. And really coaching is more like the true spirit of what education is is meant to be we're helping people to discover things inside themselves and bring it out um unfortunately you know through 
you know, parents and, you know, schooling and everything, and I'm a parent and I've made the same mistakes, you know, uh, we, we often get punished for making a mistake um, and then um, we, we start to feel that learning isn't fun. And that's a shame, you know, because the people who learn fastest on the planet are children. You know, they'll have a go at anything and they're not afraid, you know, and if they make a mistake, well, they've just learned what doesn't work. So, so keep keep that uh, those childlike tendencies. Yeah, yeah, within reason. I mean, you know, using the child example. I mean, obviously, you, you know, they they want to experiment by drinking poison or running onto a busy road. Then, obviously, we have to keep you know the boundaries so they don't. But beyond that, they're not afraid of making little mistakes and falling over and everything. They just laugh and learn. And I think, you know, we need to be able to get better at that. But that's hard. You know, we've all got years of programming where you don't want to look silly. You don't want to look stupid. You don't want to make a mistake. You get you get into trouble for making a mistake. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a great story. I don't know if it'd take me a minute to tell it. I don't know if yeah. we've got time. But, um, I've got a minute, yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard this years ago, uh, Thomas Watson, The um, I think he was the original Thomas Watson of IBM. Uh, one of his guys in his team uh, made a mistake, cost the company, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, say $2 million or something. And the guy went home to his wife on Friday and said, I, I better start looking for another job. I'm, you know, the boss wants to see me on Monday. Um, and he goes in on Monday and Thomas Watson starts writing these plans up on a, on the board and says, I want you to do this, this and this. And the guy said, I thought you were going to fire me. And Thomas Watson looked at him and said, fire you. I've just spent two million training you. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, you know, you've made a mistake. You will have learned like no one else, you know, no textbook's going to, no textbook's going to teach you what you've just learned. You will never forget that mistake. And I, you know, and I value you. I want people who learn and pick themselves up and get on with it. Yeah, yeah. people people are getting get into action because you can't always determine a result, can you? No, no, that's right. You know, confident people just move forward. There's no guarantee you're going to get, you know, the result. You just move forward and um, see what happens. So, Peter, look, this has been a, a great show with some really valuable content. Uh, I've got sort of about thirty seconds now before I need to wrap up. Do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Um, I think just to reinforce the point is whatever your role, leader, manager, parent, you know, professional coach, you need to have that coaching mindset. You know, this concept of drawing out the greatness that resides in other people. If you can really get good at that, you'll do really well in life. And so will the people, you know, who have the honor of being in your life. So, um, yeah, that would be my final message. Fantastic. Now, if you want to find out more about Peter Milligan, go to www.newgenerationleaders.com, newgenerationleaders.com. Uh, you can access the summary of this as well from uh, from that website or go to chriscooper.co.uk, and I'll load that up there in the next um, few hours. Uh, next week, we have marketing expert and international triathlete Jane Hansom. She's going to talk about choosing brand ambassadors, a really inspirational lady, uh, I, and i sure you if you're interested in um sort of brands marketing um and uh celebrity endorsement or even if you're interested in in a triathlon um it'll be a fascinating fascinating show and um, so uh, once again a huge thank you to peter milligan been brilliant having you on the show peter and i wish um, everybody well if you've got any comments um, do come back to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk thank you chris
We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.